Friday Freedom Forum, where every other week in between our normal slate of discussing the Pixar films in order, we will take turns choosing a given topic to discuss. And today we are discussing the first presidential debate. It was a... Oh, a circus. I don't know. I'm looking for the right word, but it was surely entertaining. Um, Today, we're going to give each person a chance to answer a given question about the debate, followed up by a round of pre-discussion. But I'd like to begin with just uh, some welcomes and uh, introduce ourselves, and then we can talk about today's news, which might factor into our debate analysis. But anyway, uh, let's start with Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Hi, I'm I'm happy to be here and talking about uh, something political that's not Disney or Pixar, and I'm also glad that someone else is running the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I feel you on that. It's weird to be in the other spot <laughs> right now. Um, uh, Cynthia, who are you, and uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine, and I'm proud to say I'm your mother. Yes, you are. And um, I'm I'm doing well. Looking forward to this. Um, a little bit of trepidation because we don't all agree on all things, which I think will create an exciting podcast today. I agree. All right, Byron, who are you? How you doing? <laughs> I am Byron. Uh, I'm Byron. I'm doing very well. It's good to be happy to be here. I should say. Cool, Daniel. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who am I? That, that is a good question. I don't know the answer myself. But I'm I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Jimmy. Good, good. And Jacob. Oh, sorry. Hi, I'm Jacob. Uh, glad to be here. And uh, here we go. All right. So that's everyone. Um, let's start with a little bit of just analysis, a little verbal digesting of today's news. Um, I know you may not be listening to this on the day that this news came out, but all of us just found out that drumroll, please. Donald Trump has been diagnosed with COVID-19 or coronavirus. Um, I think tested positive, not diagnosed, maybe. No, now he's in the hospital. Yeah. Is he really? I yeah. just yeah. got home from work, so... He's I... been moved to Bethesda or whatever. Is no, that Walter just... Reed. Or Walter Reed. Reed. There you go, there you go. Sorry. Yes. Is that just a precaution, or is he, like, really, really sick all of a sudden? Well, well, no, he uh, has minor press... symptoms. Last I heard, he had minor symptoms. Yeah, the press used the term that he went there as a precaution. Okay. Sounds like. It would seem like they would want to be extra cautious with the leader of the free world, as they like to say. Um, But yeah, I did have a part of me was a tiny bit suspicious. Like, is this somehow some sort of sneaky move on the White House's part to make it seem like I don't know, he's really got it to make a big news story, maybe to eclipse other things about, I don't know, I think, uh, what was it, Department of Homeland Security or somebody had a 
a hearing today, somebody significant, you know, on the coronavirus response. So, you know, he's a master of distraction. Was it related to that? Or are they doing it so that later they can be like, oh, see, he's fine because he really doesn't have symptoms, isn't really expected to. And uh, then they can play it as play it off as like, look, the coronavirus doesn't even really harm you that much. And anybody else? Uh, or is that just too conspiratorial? I don't know. I think so, because I mean, we can understand how he could have gotten COVID-19 with uh, the no masks and his exposure to so many people, even though he and the first lady do exist in a bubble and they're tested every day and all of this. But with the um, news that his aide, who he shared, you know, close quarters with on Air Force One and attending rallies and so forth, came down with the virus. And now that he has, I, I don't at all view it as an untruth, nor a conspiracy. Right. I think it's the truth and in and of itself. It's impactful and concerning, but I, also, I, think like, it, I accept it. The true to his form, he's doing exactly what doctors tell you not to do. Oh, you're, you don't have symptoms? Don't go to the hospital. Yeah, I think it's like, a little it's, different with the president, though, right? I, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Sure. I mean, you know, I, I think the conversation about whether or not this is a, a ploy or some sort of strategic political move, I, I think what's interesting is that due to his presidency, due to his behavior, we can even have this conversation, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel almost out of place to me. I know that ultimately, as you expressed, Mom, that, you know, you accept it, but I think the fact that there could be uh, a majority of the population who would even question it speaks to, you know, how he's run this administration so far. I was going to say that I think that Trump would never want, would never be like, or anyone be that cunning to say, okay, let's just pretend he tested positive and then say he had a really fast recovery to prove that it's not that bad. Like Trump, when his ego just would never want to admit that the that even really exists, I guess. I just don't think he'd ever want to admit that he had it unless he needed to. But I I definitely think they're going to try to spin it at like, oh, look how fast he recovered, assuming he does recover, you know, quickly with no real bad um, symptoms. But yeah, they're obviously going to try to spin it that way, I think, and as, as positive as they can. But I definitely don't think they're making this up. Yeah. I think Byron kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, that's what I end up realizing. You know, I have this thought that could be conspiratorial and probably is paranoid. And then the second thought is like, wait, why am I thinking that? And it's because uh, there's been so many untruths or partial truths or half-truths out of the White House in general. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can blame it on them or I can take the responsibility myself. But uh, honestly, I wouldn't probably jump to that conclusion if it was any other president who didn't constantly lie. So that's why I go there automatically. Anything else, guys, anything else in the current news cycle that you want to discuss before we get into talking all about the debate, like something that happened in the days in between? It's been a fair amount of news. Anything else, guys? I mean, you know, I think the reaction from the Proud Boys has also been a little interesting just to see how they've sort of really taken those few words to heart and really ran with it. You know, um, that's been interesting since the debate occurred, just to see all of that back and forth about that. I guess I don't have much to say about it. I just wanted to bring it up. 
Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, we'll get to, uh, the question of what do you think was the biggest moment or whatever, but, uh, yeah. in the days after the debate, that was probably dominating the, the headlines the most. Something, hard to, uh, hard to miss. Yeah. Unrelated, uh, in LA. I don't know if it's LAPD or the sheriff's department, but, um, two officers were in a, their squad car starting their morning this morning and the passenger partner shot his other partner in her leg in the car on accident. Really? I just, I, it's wow. just like such ineptitude on every level. Now they're even shooting themselves. Um, oh my God. <laughs> wow. And like I don't almost know how a would, funny story. But yeah. I know. And that's what's <laughs> sad. Like also speaks to what Byron said in terms of the climate, like that's comedic to me now that an officer shots another officer in the leg on an oopsie in his car. Like, it's just silly to me. Oopsie. It's just so silly. Oops, sorry. Yeah. She's fine. Like, to be fair, she's not going to die. She's just shot in the leg. She's not critical. She's in the hospital. She's recovering. But, like, I don't even know how that physically happens in a car, in a squad car. Well, yeah, what, their safety a, was just off? Or, like, there's what? a divider in the middle where they have other guns that are all locked up. I don't know how you, like, pull it out of your holster, like, hey, look at my new gun, and she, he just shoots her. Like, I don't Anyway, yeah. I, it, it was the only thing that caught my eye locally in LA. Yeah, look at me. I'm already like suspicious that that is true as well. Like, what really Wait, happened? In that? That's not uh, healthy. Was she African American? That's a good question. I they didn't release. That was like yeah, a purposeful statistic. thing. They didn't release um, any names, but of course now once they do, their houses will have protesters. You know, they should be, the guy should be fired for not, you know, he just shot another cop on duty. Like what? So, yeah, but Jacob. they'll probably be protected by the sheriff because he's a fucking moron. Aren't gun but. accidents a huge number of deaths and injuries or from gun accidents with guns? Uh, from not civilians, from civilians for sure. And in yeah. war and in war situations, combat. But I don't think a lot of, police shoot each other like outside of like training exercises i don't think and, may, and maybe in combat if they're in a shootout and it's smoky and they can't tell and they're freaking out maybe Training officers fire, get yeah. shot but like not when you're just starting your shift in your squad car it's All right, pretty well, ridiculous so. i mean that is a crazy story i'm glad you brought it up <laughs> i actually hadn't heard that one so yeah. Nice. Um, and if, unless anybody else has anything else, let's go on to the topic of the day, the first presidential debate. So uh, general overview of this debate. Um, let's see. I took a bunch of notes. I actually petered out taking my notes because, boy, it was hard to keep up. I was even like <laughs> pausing it and like, oh, my gosh, there's so much happening so quickly. Uh, as we'll get into with the nature of the interruptions and everything, there's just layered statements going over each other. So I did kind of give up on the note taking, but so I'm just going to kind of go uh, quickly, not as detailed as I initially. Everyone intended. gave up on the note taking. I know, right? Even even Chris Wallace gave up. And, on- and we, we can talk about maybe that was strategic. Maybe that was a strategic choice on somebody's part. All right. So yes, Chris Wallace is our moderator for the debate. He split it up into six segments or uh, with general questions that were all com- uh, that he came up with and opposed supposedly none of the candidates knew any of the questions ahead of time, as I'm pretty sure is uh, standard practice. Does anybody know 
do the candidates usually not know the question? There was, I believe I saw the list was released of what the topics were going to be. The topics, yes. But I think within those topics. Okay, uh, like exactly the exact word. Yeah, exactly what, how yeah, you're going to word it, who you're going to address it. Right, but you're right. The topics were released ahead of time. The topics were the Supreme Court, the coronavirus, the economy, race and violence in American cities, Trump's and Biden's records, and the integrity of the election. They began the thing about with, the record yes. was switched out for a section on, on climate change. Oh, wow. You're right. Re- looking back on it, you're right. He, See, I didn't make it that, that out. And puts, which <laughs> was uh, a surprise to a lot of people that there was the climate section, but we can get to that if we're going to go. Was that released, Daniel, that they changed it? No, I think because I was following some discussion online, that was a surprise when Chris Wallace asked about climate. Okay. That was okay. not announced ahead of time, and no one knew that that was going to be it. Well, a, didn't they do that because, uh, like, one of them, like Trump or Biden, just started talking about climate change, like, after a different question? And then I think Chris Wallace kind of maybe just improvised in that moment, like, okay, I guess let's just talk about climate change. Like, that's what I thought kind of happened. Daniel well, no, seems I think- to... Sorry, go ahead. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Cause the like specific fire and like all those questions about the fires and everything seemed very thought out on Wallace's part. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, I could be wrong. Maybe he's really good at improvising, but I doubt it. Eh, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if either of them pushed against that talking point. Uh, you know, neither of them really want to talk about their records much. So. Yeah. Um, The Supreme Court was the first topic. Everything starts off kind of low key. And then uh, once it gets open to uh, open discussion, because it's supposed to be two minutes of uninterrupted answers from, you know, each candidate. And then there's an open discussion time. And the first two minutes for each candidate was relatively peaceful. And then in the open discussion, everything sort of uh, got crazy. Uh, Trump starts you know, interrupt is open discussion, but Biden's trying to talk. Trump starts interrupting, and that's where the sort of tone of the rest of the ba- debate got set. It was pretty early on in the very first um, portion. Anyway, so Trump is constantly interrupting. Biden's doing his be- best to sort of ignore him and looks at the camera in some key moments. He's addressing Chris Wallace most of the time. Any of the times he really does talk to Trump, he's sort of. Uh, maybe insulting him or dismissing him or laughing him off. Biden stumbles a bit and has some stuttering moments, which we know comes from his issue being a stutterer as a child. But even still, right, that doesn't look good. He has a few of those stumbles, but he doesn't quite fall apart the way some people thought he would. And ultimately, after the debate, all the major media networks are calling it a shit show, a disgrace and embarrassing for the country. And that uh, no one was served in the debate, especially not the American people. So that was the general takeaway. Take if you looked at the mainstream news sources, that's what everybody was saying. So now I'd like to get into our questions about um, specific points about the debate, and then we can open it up for free responses. The first question I'd like to pose to, I guess I'll pose it to you, Cynthia which is, do you agree with the assessment that the major news media was putting forth, that it was a disgraceful debate, that it was a, quote, shit show, that the American people was sort of, uh, you know, uh, it, did a, it was a disservice to the American people. It didn't make them look good on the international stage. It sort of didn't 
give anybody any new information and it was just a, a train wreck. That's the general consensus seemed to be. What, what do you think, Mom? Do you agree with that? I, I like the term train wreck a little better than shit show. Um, I think it was a very juvenile bunch of bickering, like a brawl going on. And it was difficult to watch, I felt. And I, but in some way, it compelled me to pay attention a little more. I was desperate to try to hear the overlapping talking and conversation to see who was saying anything. It actually helped me later to go back and read the transcript because, like you, Jim, I could not possibly keep notes or keep much track of even where they were. I mean, there was even a time where Biden had to ask Chris Wallace, what was I saying? And Chris Wallace jokingly said something like, I don't know either. You know, it was so out of control. Um, I suppose he has to bear some of the brunt of that as the moderator, although to be honest, I don't know how much pressure must be on debate moderators with these two particular um, personalities. Uh, You know, to my mind, Trump was sort of consistent. Uh, It's not that surprising. I think even the Biden camp said that they expected it to be difficult and, uh, you know, that, that it could get ugly and to kind of prepare him for that. And actually he held his own pretty well. He did not fall apart. Someone mentioned that earlier. He did not sort of sink or fall to his knees in any way. Um, You know, but that doesn't mean that they acted like decent adults with a actually kind of a wonderful agenda that they could have discussed. So I, uh, I think it did do a disservice to the American people and that many of us wanted to hear their their party platforms and go more in depth in certain ideas of which we're trying to make sense of, you know? Um, I think I've answered that question, right? I, I, I don't think anybody's mind was changed actually. I agree. I agree with you, Cynthia. I don't think, I don't think many people were coming into the debate expecting to be swayed one way or the other. I don't think there is a lot of, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody. But I, I think a lot of people have their minds made up, and I don't think that debate helped bring anybody to the other side. Uh, yeah. Let me pose it this way. Um, Trump is, you know, from the beginning, been labeling the media as fake news and any statement uh, negative about him as fake news. Do you think that factors into the media's response to the debate, how negative it tended to be? Do you think... People like, do you think Trump set the stage for all of this negative reaction to be sort of like, oh, of course they're saying that, and uh, that the negative reactions to the debate is sort of not phasing people? That, like mom said, she sort of expected it. That's been his whole presidency, right? Right. I mean, he, he, you know, he preemptively, the media, the media responds negatively to anything, and then his supporters have been trained to just then do the opposite of whatever the media says. So if, you know, if, if the media says that it was people who really believe that the media is the enemy of the people, as he's he telling his supporters, then, then they're going to be like, well, if, if, uh, if the media says it was a terrible, it was the worst debate ever, then maybe that's actually great. They're just trying to downplay Trump, who, who was right, whatever, that, you know, that that's what, what his supporters are, I'm sure, going to say. But yeah, it was... Um, I mean, debates are not always the most watchable things, but this was this was particularly bad and particularly uh, difficult to watch. Um, I had even more extreme responses that I wrote down at the time. That I said it was two hours I'll never get back. 
<laughs> not just one of the worst debates, but one of the worst television programs I've ever watched through. Um, it was just, it was just really bad. All, All right. All. Well, I, I have more to say, but I do. There's other questions and I feel like a lot of these topics are going to overlap. So I think let's move on. Does anyone have anything else they want to say about the general reaction to the debate and how, how it was generally received by the media and by people in general? Before we uh, move on. I mean, I do think that I, I have friends that are on, you know, various social media that post the defund the police kind of constantly. And um, they said that they were going to vote for Jorgensen instead of Biden because he wouldn't claim that he wants to defund the police and support that movement. Wow. Which is really, I'm sure, a very small percentage of people, but it's like some people, you know. Yes, that is interesting. I actually hadn't heard that myself, so thank you for sharing. Yeah. And Joe I, Jorgensen is the libertarian candidate, by the way. Right, I sort of if figured. People, if people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. And has he supported that movement? I don't, I don't know anything about. Uh, it's a she. Um, okay. But um, I don't think, I think it's so different, the concepts that the libertarian party has, that it's like, they want to abolish police, period. They think that you should privatize security. I just want to make sure that people know that I am not saying that I believe that, but also that they want to privatize everything, including the police. So it, it is a version of defund the police. Interesting. All right, for our next question, I think I'll send it over to Daniel. Daniel, what were your expectations going into this debate? And how, if at all, was reality different from your expectations? You know, I didn't have any refined expectations going in. I don't know who did. I had like an open mind, I guess. I didn't, I didn't have any expectations for what it was going to be. I didn't expect that it would necessarily be a great, fulfilling or, or, uh, or uh, uh, inspiring thing to watch at all. So I don't know how it was different, but it's still, it still seemed to be, I thought it would be um, at least more, more watchable and more followable. <laughs> that it ended up being um, that there would be some kind of attempt on the part of some parties to make it to reach some kind of, 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 of congeniality for the viewers and for the sake of, of just not wanting it to be complete like chaos failure but, but uh, um, and maybe two of the people there wanted it to be somewhat simple but that was that was unable to happen so i don't know i don't think i, I didn't really have any expectations going in so it's hard to say that it's it, it, how it compared to anything like that fair um i mean i'll start the discussion by saying i i don't know if i had specific expectations other than trump was going to do whatever he could to get into a brawl with biden i mean that's what i was sort of in a sick way looking forward to. So, when you, you know, I had a lot of anticipation and in, even anxiety leading up to this. Like, what's going to happen? You know, so many people are going to be watching. The stakes seem so high, especially with coronavirus. Everybody's sort of been glued to their TVs, stuck inside and all this. So figured there'd be a lot of pressure and how are both of them going to handle it? Is Trump going to go completely off the rails? I, I had a thought that maybe he'd rein it in, you know, thinking like, no, I need to be presidential, but 
I maybe thought that for a brief moment because uh, I just know he, he does what he does. So I expected him to go full balls to the wall. I think I expected Biden to be a little bit more like meeting him with toughness back. Like, hey, guy, Jack, you know, whatever he says all the time. Like, no malarkey, that whole type of thing. And he had his moments. But uh, I think it, he was a little more subdued, which I actually think was a good call on his part than maybe I thought he might be. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be my answer. I don't really know Joe Biden very well. And I wanted to. Um, just, mm. you know, for the record, I am a long, lifelong Republican having a whole bunch of trouble with President Trump. So I, I very, very much wanted to get to know him better because, you know, I watch all different stations on the news and so forth. Um, but I never really felt like I've captured his personality or sense of him. And uh, so I was expecting that. I'm really disappointed. Mm. I mean, you know, I got to see a little bit about his personality. And I mentioned earlier how he kind of held his own. But I think it was kind of like, um, it wasn't a debate. It was a display mm. of, of like their primal stances, you know, like two animals in a cage or something. So uh, that was disappointing. I love that description of it. Anybody else on that topic? Expectations versus reality of the debate. I think I expected it to kind of be what it was. I agree that um, I think that Biden did a good job standing his ground without being a bully back. Um, and I, I like, like you said, I kind of appreciated that Biden kind of just was like, whatever, dude, like, I just want to have this debate. Um, going back to what Cynthia mentioned, though, like, I I feel like I got to know Joe Biden well from the DNC. So if you didn't watch that, you, you wouldn't know him as well, maybe. Um, and so honestly, going into the debate, I feel like I appreciated Joe Biden a lot more from what I learned at the DNC. Um, I, I definitely didn't expect it to be this crazy. I definitely did expect Trump to kind of try to go after Joe and, you know, Joe to maybe kind of flounder. Um, but again, like, you know, a lot of people are saying he didn't really flounder as much as they maybe thought he was going to. Um, but I was definitely, you know, the first like five minutes in with the first question, I was just like, holy shit, this is insane. I don't even know what just happened. It was so tense from the beginning. And that just set the precedent for the rest of the time to where everyone's just like wanting it to be over. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, it, it, I think everybody has used the phrase hard to watch, but I have to admit, I mean, I love following politics. It's almost like a courtroom drama or something. I like to hear people debate different points and how they use rhetorical things that maybe aren't even like a solid logical point, but how they play on people's fears and stuff like it's twisted and it's uh, yeah, hard to watch, but I'm very fascinated by it. So I was really looking forward to how they were going to, you know, what kind of moves they were going to pull on each other. And uh, yeah, it was ugly, but I found it so entertaining. <laughs> I mean, I just have to be honest. I, I had inner turmoil. I thought, Oh my gosh, what's happening to the country, the discourse in, in particular in the country, but Boy, yeah, it did not disappoint me in terms of like looking for entertaining and getting entertaining, though maybe a little scary.
I agree. I've been saying that if 2020 was a ballet, this would be the dance of the buffoons. <laughs> I like it. All right, we'll move on to our next question here. I guess I'll send this one to Byron. Byron, what impact do you think the venue slash format, like the limited audience and the fact that they were asked to not respond verbally or with clapping to any of the candidates, what, do you, what effect do you think those type of things had on the debate? What do you think would have been different in a, quote, normal situation? with the audience responding to the candidates and so forth? It's a really good question. Um, I'd have to imagine that the crowd's reaction in terms of what's landing and what's not probably provides a degree of momentum to, you know, whatever candidate is speaking and getting that reaction. And that sort of feedback is, you know, so priceless in the moment in terms of, the dynamics shifting and who, you know, who needs to now top that reaction with a different one. So that was definitely lost. And, you know, I also thought it was interesting that it was primarily their families in attendance, you know, in those seats, it was like Trump's family and Jill Biden was there. So to think that, you know, the people that they're speaking to are quite literally their nearest and dearest, I think sort of changes how they're even speaking. You know, it doesn't feel like they're speaking to the masses. They know that they're on camera. They know it's a nationally televised debate. But I think without that biofeedback that the audience provides, it, it changes not only, you know, how they're speaking, but it changes the changes in the debate. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, to be perfectly honest, I think all debates should be like this. I think this is a better form, not necessarily with all the arguing, but I like the fact that we were literally forced to listen to them speak and there wasn't a whole lot of interruption from the crowd. There's been a lot of talk, you know, in the days prior now or past rather about uh, mute, muting the mics, which I think is a really, you know, smart idea. If this is what, if this is the risk that we run in terms of people doing what happened a few days ago, then muting the mics kind of makes sense to me. And also this format kind of makes sense to me in terms of really uh, zeroing in on and focusing on the conversation at hand. Yeah, I mean, we can open up for general discussion if anyone else has anything to add. But I think you, that yeah, without please. the audience there, that sort of played into Trump sort of like rambling. Like he's so used to getting like the, the cheers and the boos from his like people, quote unquote, um, that without that, he def I think that is what led him to rambling and kind of being lost. Like, oh, was that a good thing? Did people like that or did they not? And then I think that's sort of why he kept going and going and going. Um, maybe, I think, for sure. I, and definitely I, it affected Trump to not have people there cheering him on. Really? I think that well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to piggyback off that for one second. I'm sorry. But I was watching what Trump was watching, and he was looking at Joe Biden the entire time almost. And to me, it was like he was watching what was landing on Joe, the same way you would when you're in an argument trying to figure out which is what's sticking, and then you'll ride that. So I thought, you know, and that, it, that tactic for him has gotten him to where he is now. He is a mastermind at bullying and talking and saying, no, fuck you, I'm right. That's, that's, he made a career off that. And he, you know, brought it in spades the other night. Yeah, he was a boxer in a ring. Sorry, go ahead. I think that the next debate is going to be a town hall format, I believe. 
Yeah. So it'll be much different because they're going to have to, they probably won't have audience members like in the old days before COVID standing up and address, addressing the candidates directly, but I'm sure they'll be on Zoom. So both of them will have to be a little more cognizant of that they're speaking to real people, you know, people that actually have a legitimate question. I'm hoping that that brings more respect to the process. They might have people like be in the real audience if they're all like tested beforehand and like spaced apart. I would imagine they might try to do that because they, they did that, yeah, they you might. know, CNN had those other Trump, people watching outside. Like Trump has canceled tested. all in-person events now that he's sick. Oh, Everything. that's true. Oh, well, that makes When sense. was the next debate scheduled for? I mean, two weeks. I think. Two weeks from today, I think. And yeah, not next Friday, but the Friday after. <clears throat> I think so. I do think that like it hurt Trump to not have that cheer and that boisterous energy for him. Because even if it was only 50-50, he still has a very rigorous crowd if they're there, no matter what. But I think what he chose to do was to just attack. That's all. Like, so, okay, so I'm not pausing for cheers. I'm just going to attack and attack and attack. And... Also, the way that he just kind of blew off Chris Wallace, not only is he attacking, but he's the most powerful man on stage right now. That was like his whole tactic was I am, which was the tactic in 2016. His stances, the way he would take on Hillary in those town hall kind of forum debates, uh, he would just, he's trying to impose on everybody and show, look, the president needs to be strong. I'm the president. And, and he kind of successfully did it in a disgraceful way, but... Okay, so you're commenting as if that's a negative thing. And I think in terms of showing the strength of personality, Trump won, for sure. Yeah, you but... Know, but, but I, I'm me, not... Right but, now, we're not debating personalities. However, if you're, you're speaking of his uh, way of being as, you know, you called it disgusting. But it might be more... It's very true to who he is. I agree with you, and I, I guess then I'm saying that he's disgusting. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, it, the thing about that is it's, yeah, it's good for a president to be strong, but really the strongest thing about them needs to be their character, which he proved he had very little. Um, he just is a, a cartoon and just attacks. He was just like, he treated the whole event like he was a prosecuting attorney and had a witness on the stand, except for he had two witnesses on the stand. And that's not, you just, I mean, that's not leadership. That's a pit bull. Yeah. Um, again, I, I want to say more, but I want to keep things moving along because uh, there's a few more topics to cover. And then I want to let us have our soapboxes. And then I think we may have time for just other random things that we want to talk about at the end. We'll keep an eye on the clock. We'll see. But yeah, let's go on to our next question, which I think I'll take to um, Jacob, I guess. Why not? Right. Jacob, what impact, if any, do you think the moderator had on the debate? We talked about this a little bit, but if you have anything else to say, and we have more more questions than people, so we can give you another one if you're not feeling this one. But no, I, I, that's yeah, fine. yeah. In your opinion, did he seem fair to both candidates? Was he doing his job properly? Um, yeah. What do you think about Mr. Chris Wallace? You know, I I know that he's a Fox guy, but I think that he and Trump have kind of a contentious relationship, if if memory serves. Uh, which was a good choice, I think. They needed somebody who was going to grill them both. Um, and he started out really good. I like his his in, his introduction was very like, okay, 
he's going to make try to do what he can to be a, stay a moderator, but be a referee if he has to. And then I just think there was this moment, actually, I rewatched it uh, this today, like a little bit of it, and I saw on his face like an oh shit moment. And he kind of lost his control, like he realized it, and then he didn't take it back when he could have. So it kind of fell apart. Um, I think his questions were very uh, thought out and equal. Like it, we needed to hear those questions and a- the answers to those questions, I should say. Mm-hmm. And so I like that. Um, he definitely got, you know, the fairness kind of shifted because he had to, he had to kind of, you know, talk to Trump like he was a kid for a few times. And then he also did it to Biden when he Biden did it. So I feel like there wasn't a, like, I'm trying to help Trump, you know, and not tell Biden to be quiet when he's interrupting. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there is a person that would have made that debate much better as a moderator without becoming worse than Trump was. Uh, so I think he did okay. Uh, and I think that that's all we can ask. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, you know, it's just, I don't know how you would rein that in without like just literally taking the mic away from him and getting up on your feet, uh, which I probably would have done. I, I wouldn't have been able to keep my cool the way he did, I guess. Like it just, I would have, you know, most people would just lose it to rage and he didn't. So that's good. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm a teacher and I was just like, holy shit, there's two little first graders yelling at each other on the stage. (laughs) I think at one point I turned to Jimmy and I was like, this is when as a teacher, you just like put the kid in timeout or send into the principal's office, but there's no principal's office to send the president of the United States to, um, except jail, which, you know, that's never going to happen, unfortunately. Well, maybe, I don't know. But, um, I, I just want to point out a couple things about Chris Wallace. Um, First of all, um, we watched it on CNN, but I don't, I don't know what stations you guys watched it on. But he like didn't know he was like live for like thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, and it might have been like, C-SPAN because C- yeah, it was way longer on C-SPAN. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I watched it on. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, Jimmy was just like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, okay. Like, he was like turning to, to the about- audience, like telling him to be quiet. I was just like, well, uh. the people that normally <laughs> give him about like well, he gave somebody like a one a second. Yeah. Like, no, one second. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he did. Um, But the other thing I was going to say, like, one moment, I think it was, like, about halfway through the debate. Like, he was, like, already fed up with Trump. He's like, excuse me, can you just let me ask my question? And then at one point, he finally said, you know what, Mr. Trump, can I please just ask this question? You can talk about whatever you want, unrelated (laughs) to my question, if you want. But let me ask the question. And I was just like, wow, that was so funny. And I was like, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like that was a good moment for eventually him. it was like him and biden sort of winking at each other you know uh through their comments or his comments to biden um because yeah so you mentioned earlier Ke- kelly like oh these first it was like two first graders in an argument and i've heard people talking about on the news and such about they were both so disgraceful and they you know it was a shame to see these two men acting this way and I guess Biden could have rose above a little bit differently than he did. But I mean, I just am a little bit annoyed at the like, it was both of their faults that it was this way when it was so one-sided in terms of Trump causing the constant interruptions, not only interrupting Biden, but interrupting the moderator. Biden never did. I think in my notes, I mentioned one time the moderator was asking Biden 
and uh, a, you know, a question that wasn't favorable to Biden. And he sort of said like, no, I didn't and interrupted him once. That's all I noticed Biden interrupting the moderator. Anyway, my point is just that clearly it was very contentious. The moderator had to step in a lot. I think Chris Wallace did a great job, but it bugs me. And like, as everybody's talking about this and how could it, uh, how could it have been handled better that more of the blame from everyone isn't being placed on Trump who went in. It's like sort of admirable the way he derailed the whole thing. Cause like everyone already knew Trump, like my mom has said, they, they give him a pass on all of his disrespectful behavior because that's just who he is. We know who Trump is. Yep. That's just Trump being Trump. So he can do whatever he wants and it only hurts Biden and maybe even Chris Wallace and maybe even the American people, but you know, whatever Trump can just do whatever he wants to derail it. And it's sort of, if not a win for him, like null or even like no change. I think that you're, I totally agree with you. And I think that that was obviously Trump's strategy. Like, let me try to bully him. Let me interrupt him. Let me take control of the whole debate because people were like, went into it thinking he's going to do that. And Biden's going to like be flustered and not be able to talk back. And it's like, well, you're putting Biden in a position of where he kind of has to argue back to some degree so that Trump doesn't just steamroll the entire debate. And um, I agree that I think Biden did a decent job of, you know, arguing back to like be able to have his points, you know, said and be heard without being as obviously nowhere near as disrespectful as Trump was. I don't know why. I I I feel like you go ahead. Go ahead, Cynthia. I was just going to say, yeah, I'd like everybody to remember this is a debate and debates aren't all about nicey nice. Okay. Uh, Little rule, little rules being adhered to every time. I mean, look like uh, a little bit about the Lincoln-Douglas debates. I mean, people were screaming and hollering and they had to scream over each other. There weren't even microphones. Maybe they had something like a megaphone, but I doubt it. Anyway, so I just never had any expectation necessarily that everything was just going to go as planned. You know, this is like they say, life, life isn't a performance. You know, it's like a rehearsal. I mean, we're, we're going through things in a moment and passions run high. So I don't, yeah, I, don't but, think that, I don't think it had to be extraordinarily civil to be effective. Sure. But Trump went into it knowing that, oh, and this isn't a performance, whatever. I think someone on CNN was like, this was just another one of his reality shows. Like, I agree that like debates can get heated and it's kind of fun to see who's going to like, you know, say something, pull, pull one over on another person, whatever. But like, this was just like crazy madmen, like not like sh- sure it's not going to go as planned, but Trump didn't his, he was so focused on interrupting Biden that like he never even really said anything profound at all. I disagree with that, but we'll get to those points later. The thing well, yeah, it, sorry. Go ahead. Jacob. I like, I, you know, I'm not very old and I've not seen a ton of, debates with presidents but i watched a few like in the past and stuff i've never seen uh a candidate insult a sitting president and call him a clown and tell him to shut up and i think that was that shocking that's the, yeah that's the childishness yeah. that's being talked about for biden because he was supposed to take the high road right because trump is such a child and a villain and you know to the democrats and he gets a he pass was, from his party right so and so also Biden's supposed to be this older statesman. He's all about 
that. That's his character is that he's above it, right? But instead of that, he chose to do that. He didn't, he didn't say like Trump saying like, in your 47 years, you've never done anything. He didn't retort with, well, something political and issue based. He just said, well, you, you shut up, man. Like he was just this, he has Alzheimer's. Like it, and I, I don't agree with the two children. I think one was a child and one was an octogenarian, like senility <laughs> issue. Sorry. Um, You're close but, to uh, it, right? He's getting right. Up there. Can and I just so, say about that yeah. real quick, though? Like, okay, sure, Joe maybe, you know, could have risen above more, but why are we talking about why Joe didn't do Joe? Why are we giving the sitting president, again, the pass to. Like, oh, he does that, whatever. He's the actual president. Joe's not. <laughs> I, I, I think Joe, I, if, I was, if I was Joe Biden, I would have brought up shit like Stormy Daniels. I would have brought up shit about his taxes. I mean, there are so many points that I feel like are, you know, huge discredits against him being president that, are, that aren't even being talked about. And Stormy Daniels, I, I agree, was from 2016, but there's been more information released about those, about that non-disclosure agreement, about that settlement. There's so many things that, you know, if, if Trump's going to talk about drug use within his family, if he's going to, you know, he's going to, he, Trump is going low, okay? And I agree that, di- or I agree that uh, Biden needs to, you know, exemplify more of a presidential thing, but I agree, there's a double standard in place, if Trump's getting away with all this shit, then why are we expecting Biden to not, like, what are you expecting Biden? I don't know. I just think there's a double standard in place. And I don't even I, know what to suggest, really, but. I think I mis, uh, misinformed what my opinion was. I, what I'm saying is, I think it's just, it's bad form to just say shut up or call the president a clown. But like you're saying, there's so much ammo that's not saying shut up or you're a clown. That's yeah. my point. Okay. Like that there, that, That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like it may be considered unpresidential to talk about him having sex with a porn star and paying her and all the scandal, but, it, but it's totally within the realm of a debate for president. Like I'm saying that he's not with it enough to, to go there. Like he just says, like he gets confused and rattled and just says, shut up. Could like, be that could have been the prep, you know? Yeah. I mean, but, but I feel like the whole tactic he was supposed to have, and what he was trying to have was to take the high road, but he should have been aware that it wasn't working. Like, and it didn't work, and then it unraveled and it became nothing. So I, I and the term of, or the saying that Trump gets a pass, it's not a pass. It's a, it's a past. Like, he, there's an expectation. We know what he's going to do. We want Trump, to, or I mean, we want Biden to do something better. And he didn't really. No offense to people who disagree, but he just, he kind of fumbled the whole thing. It's funny because like, you're saying you wish that he, he had stood above even more, but I think so many other people were happy to see him say shut up. So like a lot of people right. were like, I'm so glad right. someone finally told Trump to shut up. Like, and I kind of felt that way. Can I just add that it turns out now that we have the hindsight of several days, that actually turned out to be Biden's highlight of the evening. That's like that was that's that's a huge meme on the That's internet. actually that's a great maybe segue. It, sorry. Maybe the most meme thing Biden has ever done. He's turning around and saying, Will you shut up, man? That's, I know. It sounded like a no, meme. That's, that's huge. <laughs> that's yeah. huge. That, I mean that's 
Well, Daniel, before you go on too much, I want to hand this. I want to hand this question. I want to give this question to you because you're already kind of saying it. So the question is, what would you say is the most impactful moments? So you can pick more than one, but you know, or just one, whatever. The most impactful moment or moments uh, from the debate, and uh, what do you think is the moment that's going to stay with people? Obviously, you already have your main idea, and you can continue to say more. But well, that's uh, that's that's for Biden. I mean, the most the most impactful are going to be the the three major Trump headlines. I wrote down there's the top the top three things Trump did that are the most. Um, I mean, not like childlike abomination, but these are these are like really really bad things that have problems. Um, the third, the, the third, I'll, I'll count down here. The third, was, I like it, was his was his his denial of climate change, like straight up denial of climate change during the climate segment. Um, I, climate change hasn't been talked about this much in a presidential debate before. Hmm. We know people have danced around the issue. We know climate change denial is a thing, but his firm, straight up, like refusal to acknowledge uh science um you know and i, mean, I don't know what else we expected from him but he, he, he didn't even dance around the issue he straight up he straight up said it and he visited california at the height of the fires like a month ago and he said like to a panel of scientists i don't think science knows and it's just like it's so blatant and it's so bad it, during the height of the fires like it, it, not even tempting um and that's not going to get a lot of attention um because of the other two crazy unprecedented mm. things he did um uh the second one of course was his when asked to uh condemn white supremacists to white supremacy he instead it, it devolved into a, a clutter thing people started mentioning the proud boys and then instead of condemning them he puts his hands up and says proud boys stand uh stand, stand, by, stand back stand back and stand by yeah and it was like it, i mean it was an abs- that was an absolutely surreal moment um, to just, yeah. to just like, I mean, people talk about dog whistle. That was a train whistle. That wasn't a dog whistle anymore. Um, he's gone from saying well, there's violence on both sides to just like straight up calling some of these malicious patriots and all that. And it's, we haven't gotten to the main, the, the craziest thing he did yet, which is I think the entire point of this whole debate and the, uh, the entire thing was in the last segment is his refusal to, um, acknowledge the legitimacy of the election. Um, and his, 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 his basically, uh, pledging to undermine the election, undermine democracy. Because at this point, um, he doesn't, I think, believe that he can win the election legitimate, legitimately. His plan is just to undermine it and to cause chaos and disagreement. And you saw that play out in his debate strategy as well. Instead of trying to win the debate legitimately, his, his goal was to, to, to sabotage the integrity of the whole thing. Um, and that that I think is the is is the biggest takeaway from this is that he doesn't he's you know he didn't do anything to reach out to anyone who didn't already agree with him, which he theoretically has to do because he's down in the polls. He instead um, doubled down on his base and basically said, "I'm I don't plan on playing the election and winning legitimately." Um, so that was the craziest thing, and that I think was the most impactful. Great answers, great picks. Anybody else want to follow up? Your most, you, the moment or moments you think were the most impactful, or maybe a reaction to some of the ones that Daniel picked. 
I have a, I'll do, I'll be quick and then someone else can go. <laughs> I was taking notes at the beginning and like Jimmy, I just like threw my phone down and started making dinner. Cause I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> but like right at the beginning or very close to the beginning, Biden said, I am the democratic party. And we both went, no, <laughs> why did you say that? Like, I just don't even know what else to say besides I don't think you should have said that at all. Um, I'm glad it was kind of towards the beginning and then a lot of other stuff happened because no one's really been talking about it that much, at least from what I've seen so far. But I was just like, what? And then the other thing, like very soon after that, they started talking, they were talking about like the Supreme Court and then like the health, the Obamacare thing in the Supreme Court. So they started talking about health care and talking about Trump's like, I'm getting drugs, the cheapest they've ever been. I'm getting insulin so cheap, it's going to be like water. But he said, like water. Like water. Like super New York. <laughs> and I was just like, what? That's not even true. I have a very close friend who has to use insulin and like, obviously has been through a lot of shit, like some months, like wondering if they can pay for it. And that's definitely not true. <laughs> I'll just say that from someone I know who uses insulin. And then at some point when he's like, they're talking about Corona and masks, Trump just like brings out this little mask just to show like, here, I have a mask, but I never wear it. And then of course now he has COVID. So that's all. I'll just point no, out those little bits. He said he wears it occasionally. He says he wears it when he thinks he needs to. Well, anyways, that's such a moot point now that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. my point. He says he wears it quote unquote when he needs to, but he should have been wearing it yeah. all the time. Yeah. I've already seen that moment. Well, not exactly with bringing the mask out, but him talking about his sort of lax attitude with masks um, already turned into a meme. That's all I'm trying to say. So that was another meme when moment they, for sure. When they were talking about the Supreme Court nominee, Amy Barrett, you know, um, Biden said something that's just not true. She's, he, he said that... that um, she said that the Affordable Care Act is not constitutional, but on I, I did a fact check on that, and the AP said well, that's not right. She's you know she's critical of the Obama era law, but she she never said it was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. So people being liars or stretching the truth or making things up um, did not just go one way, right? By by any means, and. Um, I didn't appreciate Biden saying that Antifa was not, is not a group. Well, you know, according to the New York Times, it's the followers of Antifa, you know, it's a secretive movement. You know, they don't have any official leaders. They're not really organized. They have these autonomous cells. But they work with other activist networks, you know, such as Black Lives Matter and the Occupy movement. So they are a group. I mean, it's just it, it, it's just a semantical lie to just say all of a sudden that Antifa, you know, it, it's just what some some idea on paper when people are out there claiming to be part of that group. So definitely, this uh, went went both ways. Um, I I don't know. I I thought that I thought, I, and then Biden talking about his, Daniel your point about the green plan well he's never really embraced it he said he has his own plan but right i think that's got to not be a comfortable situation for the left who's really invested in the green plan green and new it'll deal. change yeah. the country as we, i'm sorry the green new deal and it'll change the country as we know it um 
so he, he, he was flip floppy and like, like, you know, like spaghetti, like, <laughs> is it going to stick? What, what is he really saying? What does he believe mm-hmm. in? And I, I apparently has this plan uh, on his, on his website, but um, I think, I think that he wasn't consistent, you know? No, I, um, to Cynthia's point about the Green New Deal, um, yeah, that was that was a problem for Biden. That was not the only example where he 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 stumbled and was wishy washy and didn't didn't take clear positions because because Trump was, was trying to goad him into taking clear positions on some of these things. Um, when it comes to the Green New Deal, what he expressed, I think, is fairly accurate. Probably that he kind of supports the Green New Deal, but kind of doesn't. Like he has his own plan that takes some elements from the Green New Deal. Um, like, he kind of likes it, but he just doesn't like the label and wants to call it something else. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the left that really loves the Green New Deal, yeah, is probably not in favor of it. And and it hasn't been for a while. People who feel that way have, have um, at least in, in, in my bubble, have felt that way about Biden for a while. But, but yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was, stumbling and having having clarity issues on some of those certainly yeah uh something that actually gave me hope in the beginning of this debate uh that it was actually going to like be a discourse between them was the the whole supreme court thing trump was like coherent and right um i I think that biden literally just thought that like he said that uh oh it's well it's not during an election you don't get a Supreme Court justice nominated, which is like the complete opposite of what the Democrats wanted when Obama was in. And he just plainly said Trump was just like an election. I'm elected for four years. And however, you know, he was weird about that, but it, it's true. It's true. And I and I was like, OK, finally, we're going to actually have a debate like that was like the moment for me sitting there watching. I was like, OK, good. It's not going to be a shit show. <laughs> Obviously, not the best forecasting, but um, I think that that was a very strong moment for Trump and a very weak moment for Biden. Um, and also to say to the point that he is the Democratic Party, he literally just made that statement for the whole party. I'm sure that freaked a lot of people out. <laughs> yeah, um, I, that's I how just, I felt. <laughs> yeah, I it's just like it's a cringe moment. Um, there was something else, the Antifa stuff. I don't really know. I don't know enough about it, but I, it's, it's an idea, but there are people using the idea for bad things and good things. So I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, that's all I had to say. Sorry. No, no need to apologize. Byron, what do you think about? Yeah. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but I think the Proud Boy statement was really the one that stuck with me the most. He's been given so many opportunities to denounce white supremacy And when it came time on a national stage for him to say, I denounce people doing things in the name of white power, all he could say was stand back and stand by. I mean, you know, I understand that people are under immense amount of pressure on a national stage. But if there was ever a moment just to say something, whether you believed it or not, that was it. And instead, he, you know, sort of fumbled asking them who he was supposed to denounce, sort of put it back on Chris Wallace to clarify that. And, you know, that was actually one moment when I appreciated Joe's sort of leaning in, you know, he was like, say it, say it. And, um, you know, I think for, I think right now with all the Black Lives Matter movements going on and all this being at the forefront of attention, that was one moment when he could have at least 
slid a little bit more into the civility and, and you know, uh, understand empathy of this situation. And instead, he rebuked even understanding what Chris Wallace was talking about. And then, you know, in a roundabout way, told a white supremacist group that he might be calling on later. And I, I mean, I don't know, that to me, and I think a lot of people was just the most significant takeaway uh, of the night. I can't say I was surprised. I'm not going to say it changed, you know, the way I thought about Trump, but it certain, you know, I saw a really great thing on the internet that said, not every Trump supporter is a racist, but for Trump supporters, racism is, isn't a deal breaker. And that sort of rang true to me um, with that statement and sort of the, the defense that I saw online after that from people commenting on, you know, uh, defending that statement. So that's, that really stuck with me um, since, uh, since the debate. Yeah, I mean, I think you're giving him a lot of credit saying that, oh, he might have been confused or overwhelmed in the heat of the debate. I, I personally felt like it was nothing but intentional to not answer that directly or to not denounce them, white supremacists, I mean, directly. And yeah, yeah. The, the Proud Boy statement was maybe like, he didn't know how to like keep them on his side and sort of appear to denounce in the moment. So he went for, oh, I'm going to tell them to stand back and stand by, which, you know, he thought was middle of the road, but to everybody was clearly not middle of the road. It was like, I'm acting like the leader of this group. Like I'm acting like their commander in that moment. So that, that was the pressure getting to him, I think, but the not answering that's like what his, you know, campaign directors told him to do. That's like their strategy. It's like, let them think you're on their side. Even if he's not benefited of the doubt, he's not really a racist. He's just leveraging the support that they have for him, you know? And so just keep that support by not ever denouncing. Do whatever you can to skirt around, scoot around, say, you know, both sides, whatever. I'm sorry, mom, go ahead. I was just saying that in the moment when Trump said that stand back and stand by, did you feel what you're, what you're sensing now? Because I did not until after the debate and I saw how the Proud Boys claimed that statement as their own. As a matter of fact, ignorant as I might be, I did not exactly know who the Proud Boys were. But you have to remember, too, that um, Trump, I honestly don't remember, Kelly, maybe you do, what was first. But Trump was pressuring Biden to talk about and to claim law and order, which he really never, ever did. I he mean, did. He, he, Biden, you know, he, he said he's not, you know, he's not in support of defunding the, the police. But then again, he's blaming Trump for sending in the National Guard to calm things down. Um, and I, I just, I, I didn't feel that that was, that was consistent. Anyways, my, my first question, though, Jimmy, was did you know at the time when Trump said stand back and stand by that that was directly a directive to the Proud Boys? Or did yeah. it just, it's, to me, it just seemed like it only mattered afterwards, and I, did, and I found out what, how they claimed it and took his words and used it, and it, 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 it um, added fuel to their fire. I did not... Sense you know, it at the time. It's interesting that you say this because I had sort of assumed, maybe not as 
or never didn't think about it as acutely as I am right now. But that on some level, I realized that that statement was sort of uh, broad enough or not specific enough that people like yeah. you, Trump supporters who aren't aware of this, like these terrible subcultures. I didn't know the Proud Boys by name, but I know there are organizations like that that exist. And when... Uh-huh. When they said Proud Boys, I instantly recognized it as a white supremacist group name. Maybe I'd seen an article somewhere down the road or whatever. But when he says, stand back and stand by, that would go over the head of a lot of people like yourself, who are just like maybe not as like in tune with this uh, sort of despicable subculture uh, yeah. that's like largely online, that's- honestly. That's where they exist and where they propagate their stuff. So. So yeah, I think it was intentional to make a statement like that that would go over the head of some people. They wouldn't hear it as like a directive and other people kind of know how these sort of militarized type of uh, online sort of hate groups or nationalists, you know, being the nicest you know, way of saying it. Um, I even look at it from like a spe- speech pathologist sort of viewpoint. When, when he's like, who, who do you want me to condemn? And they're like, the Proud Boys, Say, you know, the Proud Boys. And he, and he, he says, stand back and stand by he throws his hands back too yeah sorry go ahead just stand back and stand by that definitive statement of stand by to me rang that he that there is a potential that he might be calling on them soon so did i i i will admit that some of the reaction on online built upon that sentiment but i do remember in the moment thinking like holy shit he did it again he did there was another opportunity for him to take a stance and the stance that he took was the one that we we all expected and hate. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the most, we can talk about the things that we think are repugnant about him. And it's like a common topic of conversation when you talk about politics and he leans into that and he feels like it, it, it makes his supporters sort of discredit everything you know people against him say, because they're like, you just don't like him. You just don't like his personality. And so this repugnance is part of his brand. I'm saying repugnance as if we all agree. I know maybe we all don't, but I think you know what I'm talking about. His rudeness, his harshness. Um, But yeah, uh, the racist part of his rudeness (laughs) or the subtly, you know, maybe sort of slightly racist. I'm like trying to be as fair as I can. Like, you know, uh, that that is the the most outrageous, especially in this... uh, day of black lives matter and everything jacob i just wanted to say that i didn't necessarily get it at the time like cynthia was saying but then at the end i think that happened first right and then he talks about having poll watchers people watching the polls on election day yeah and then it clicked to me that it was it was planned it did not it was it seemed off the cuff in the moment like oh stand back stand by i don't know what to say like i'm in a corner but it seems deliberate now because those are going to watch the polls. It's very, I mean, it goes down the rabbit hole of paranoia and stuff, but I mean, it's in the, it's in the same hour and a half period and like, what? It just seems very tied together. His campaign, uh, prays or plays with the whole conspiracy rabbit hole as well. They, they want to associate themselves with that mystique because, uh, they want to give it late. spinning a conspiracy web to just make it come true or is it already there that's the problem but the, the truth is that it is it's coming it's, to fruition yeah there's some there maybe i mean who knows now we're gonna yeah we are gonna get rabbit holy if we go too far but there's probably some truth to some of these theories but 
he wants them to all be supposedly true so that everything seems fake, so that truth is relative, and he can tell the people whatever he wants them to believe. He, well, he per- I mean, it, it's not imaginary, though. It's, I mean, the Proud Boys are a real group. It's, you can't call it a conspiracy theory anymore. It's just a conspiracy. Um, they're real. There are people who are armed and would be willing to go watch polls. We've seen it in the riots. They're willing to go come up against people rioting who are just holding signs. And it's, it's insanity to me. Yeah. It's not a theory anymore. It's real. And right. the, but him saying that is just scary as shit. Well, unless anyone has anything pressing they want to say before we leave this topic. I knew, I knew this one would be a, a little bit of a bigger one because there's so much to say. But let's go ahead and go on. Here's the question. What impact, if any, do you think this will have on the election? Well, like some people said earlier, I think it was Byron said earlier that, you know, a lot of the quote unquote undecided, undecided voters going into this debate were already leaning one way or the other. And I think that whichever way they were already leaning, this debate just made them be like, okay, I'll just vote for that person. Um, specifically from what I've seen and like the CNN, like uh, watch party thing they did, like almost everyone who said like they were undecided and then they decided who they were voting on. They almost all said, well, I was already kind of leading towards Biden, but yeah, I'm definitely going to vote for Biden. So, I mean, maybe this debate did act, I guess they're technically were undecided voters. I think a lot of them now have finally decided to just go with who they were already leaning towards. Um, I do also think like, I think uh, Jacob was saying earlier about, you know, the um, libertarian candidate. I think a lot of people, especially young people our age who aren't, you know, definitely don't like Trump, but aren't super keen on Joe, you know, the team Bernie kind of people are definitely now going to probably vote third party. Um, That's scary, too. And like, look, I get it. Joe is not my first choice either. But can we really take another four years of Trump? Like, not just that I'm not Republican or don't agree with him, you know, which I, I don't agree with him. But like, it's literally scary. Like, he is a threat to our democracy. And, you know, the rights, so many, we're going to lose health care. Roe v. Uh, v. Wade could go away. Like, I'm literally scared about what four more years of Trump could be. And, you know, I don't want to say don't vote third party. Like, you know, vote for who you really want to vote for. But really think about where that vote could go towards Trump. Like, and I know people hate saying like a vote for a third party is a vote for Trump. I know people hate when people say that, but like, honestly, like we can't let, we can't let this happen, but I don't know. I, I, I think that answers your question. Yeah. Any other responses? The effect that the debate had on the election? Any other thoughts on that? I mean, I think the, the, diagnosis of covid might have a little bit more to do with the election than the actual debate really yeah well i just think that you know there you know there's a there's a chance that he gets really really sick and dies i mean that that you know that that's a possibility it's in within the realm of possibility now there we've already sort of talked about like whether or not this is true and i think that that you know as, as warranted as that suspicion is, the fact of the matter is, is as far as we know, we have a president in the hospital 
being treated for COVID-19. And so that in and of itself changes the, the landscape of, of the election. Um, so I guess that answers the question, but to go back to the original one, how much did this debate change anything? I, I personally think very, very little. Um, I, I, I think everyone's mind's pretty much made up. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think um, both at this point, both candidates are mostly playing to, to their base and trying to uh, just rally up, um, you know, support. I, I don't know if, what's the word I'm looking for. Just energy, I guess, enthusiasm in their base. Um, I think Biden is still trying to play that mm, centrist kind of card and avoid, you know, being labeled as being too left, which Trump in the debate kept calling him out on saying, oh, you just lost the left because he didn't say he supported Medicare for all or something like that. So um, Trump really thinks that's a losing strategy for Biden. And those were were a couple of the uh, those were a couple of the more comical points of the night, because I know a lot of people who are who are further to the left that don't like Biden. And like it was interesting to see, hear Trump say that that oh you just lost the left as if like the left is just learning this about Biden right when like the left has been saying this stuff about Biden for a very long time so it's not which which I thought was interesting I think that um, this debate disappointed everybody <laughs> in a way um, so people like myself I, I'll speak for myself are, are going to stick with what we know. I, the monster I know is a little better than somebody new coming in and changing everything. Um, and so I, I, I don't think too many people were swayed and it could in fact make them more entrenched towards whichever side they're leaning. Hmm. I really, I really don't know what's going to happen in this election. I, I, I'm not optimistic either way. If, if Trump's you know, healthy, so, I'm calling what, it. What bar? If Trump survives this, he's going to win. That's I'm calling it. Survives the COVID diagnosis, oh. or yeah, interesting. So, do you think that if he doesn't, then it's just going to go to Joe, or like, does Mike Pence suddenly become the nominee? Like Mike nobody Pence, knows. Mike Pence, I, and if not Mike Pence, then Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. Well, yeah, that's if when he is no. president. But I'm oh, saying yeah, for no, the no. election. The Republican like, committee Mike or Pence. whatever would determine who their presidential candidate would become. Which yeah, would probably be Pence. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go pro- ahead. No, I, I agree. would probably be Pence. Okay. So, you know, then it's a whole nother bag of worms. But I think Trump is very healthy, even, even you know, considering his age and that he's uh, overweight. But I, I don't know. Most people, you guys, do get better mm-hmm. with coronavirus. Um, we have, I think we have more reason to hope than despair in terms of whether he'll survive it. Depending. Oh, I'm sorry, never mind. No. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> never mind. No, 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 no. I really don't feel that way. I really don't feel that way. What's a little weird is that he is, at least in probably in my lifetime, the murkiest when it comes to showing his health reports. Um, and he had, what was it, like six weeks ago when he had like a emergency visit to the hospital, but then it just turned out to be for routine tests. I think it popped back like, up in the news again. I think it was more than six weeks weeks ago. Okay. I, yeah. But yeah, I know I know what you're talking about. I just think that the the fact that he keeps it secret isn't, you know, isn't a good sign. 
that like I'm pretty sure he has some underlying conditions. Just he's 74, probably healthy for a 74 year old, but I doubt he has nothing wrong. He eats um, McDonald's and Diet Coke every day. I know, I know. <laughs> and he sprays his skin, tans, like everything, like what? Like, yeah. So I, I, I don't think so. And I also think he's on some sort of amphetamine or something. Some sort of B12 shot, you know, or whatever. At 74, if you have that much energy, I mean, that's a lot. Um, Maybe he has like one of those like roadie dudes that rides around with a bag for like whatever he needs. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Feelgood. On Two call. pinks and a yellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's all, we're all just joking. But like, it is yeah. weird that we don't really know other than he's healthy. Don't worry about it. It's the same with the taxes and everything else. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. 74-year-old murky about really if he's healthy, getting coronavirus. And then we're just precautionally putting him in the hospital when you could build a hospital in the Oval Office. Like, I don't know. Jacob, what impact do you think this debate and how it all went uh, and maybe... Well, yeah, whatever. I won't overcomplicate. What impact do you think this debate will have on future debates? Um, I think that like the vice presidential one coming up is going to be extremely uh, classic in its in its performance. I think that you know it's going to be what we grew up with, like very hard left side, very hard right side. Why you're wrong? We're both pros and have done this before. They're both lawyers, also by profession, before they were politicians. Um, she'll be more, I think, aggressive, but, um, I think that they're going to try to steer as far away from what happened this time. And I, I hope that that's a trend. I, I mean, it's going to be a problem. The next presidential debate, if there is one, um, it's going to be similar, but Biden will probably get more aggressive. I think it's just, it's going to make, um, it's going to make it in the future. You're just going to have to be bigger personality in order to win. I think aggression is going to be the number one thing that people do to win. And it's already kind of that way, but I think this will make it even worse. Interesting. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts before I jump in? Anyone else? I mean, I like they were talking about the microphones and how that won't work. And the next one's going to be a town hall. I think that they're, if anything, I think this why debate the, will. Why, I'm sorry. Why won't the microphones work? Why can't they just cut them off? Well, I, you know, again, I was watching CNN, but they were saying that if they cut off the mics, then sure, us at home won't hear him, but Biden will still hear him. And Uh, like Biden's mic will still maybe pick him up in the background. And like, even if they just cut the mics and Trump's still talking, it's still going to be a distraction to Biden and it's still going to be unfair. And and, and, yeah, that's like the argument coming from all like wanting to support Biden. But, you know, either way, if Trump's saying something like, false and biden's trying to say that's not true like you can't hear it there's just like all sorts of ways that muting the mic doesn't like it sort of makes it not like a natural well i mean with trump Trump having covid they won't even be in the same room now maybe so that might actually work well yeah (laughs) they're not together and someone has more control of the mics who's gonna be the host they're gonna have to get like chris wallace like (laughs) you're muted yeah (laughs) (laughs) joe joe I do think, and it's also like, it's just a recipe for whichever side's mic is turned off for their base to flip out and say, oh, they were just turning his mic off when he made the, when he said the truth. 
you just edited it out. Or, yeah, you know, totally. It's just yeah. going to be like that. I think it's better that everyone try to just agree to the rules. You know, I, I, I know people will still interrupt. I'm not saying like everyone follow the rules, but like have just some common decency as a human and let someone else talk when it's their turn to talk. Like, come on. It's silly and it's a meme and everything, but I love the idea of Samuel L. Jackson yeah. being the moderator. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Shut the fuck yeah. up. No, it's wait, not your what turn. God damn it. Oh my gosh. Right after the debate, did you see the meme from um oh oh Trevor Noah? And it was like cutting in uh John Goodman from uh uh Oh, oh, shut the fuck up, Donnie. He's like, shut oh, the yeah, fuck yeah. up, Donnie. Why can't I think of the movie right now? <laughs> big, big Lebowski. Yeah, the Big Lebowski. Lebowski. There was like three kids. It was like Trump saying something to me. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> like, you kept on like putting it in. Oh, my God. Sorry. That I'll was stop, a funny But that one. was a really funny one. <laughs> I think you're right, Jacob. I think that uh, vice presidential is going to be way more traditional tenor and uh, just... Uh, the the attacks even they they will still attack and mudsling and throw each other's bad records at each other, but it's going to be just so different. Um, I I wonder if it's going to be more policy based. I'm sort of looking forward to it being that and hearing them sort of argue the policies of their um, campaigns a little more in depth. Um, I'm also therefore worried about it being a little more boring, but I guess boring is good. <laughs> I mean, I level. as a person really want to hear what they have to say about what they believe and see how they interact with each other. I don't want to just see two people yelling at each other. I can Me too. watch, I can watch, you know, real housewives of wherever if I want to just watch people yell at each other. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Apparently people like the yelling though. They do. Yeah. They do. And what does that people say like about the yelling? What does sure that do. say about America? And like, you know what else? I don't know if they like. I don't know if they like the yelling, but they're they're all for the fight. There's a lot at stake. It's a sport. And there's Some... something. To, well, not just that belittles it, but people want to see a debate. They want to see opposing viewpoints. Mm, I mean, mm. you're, you know, maybe we're all like Romans watching the gladiators, or you know, the Christians getting killed by the lions. I don't know, but maybe as humans, there's something sort of exciting and really challenging about people from opposing viewpoints going at it totally i mean that's why i was so excited for it and uh-huh. uh, and yeah, usually the, am sorry go it's ahead. A worthy competition i mean this is the presidency of the united states i i think it deserves an intellectual battle yes not, not a shouting match i i totally agree but don't you, you think Byron. it's been that up until now i mean no, a debate d- does not no what debate does not a president make Okay, you want to see their policies, you can see them. You wait, literally wait. can go and say, compare and contrast Biden versus Trump in any topic. So this is not the only way we come to know where these candidates stand. No. Okay, I'm can actually- I just, sorry, Byron, but Cynthia, earlier you said that you wanted, you wished you had gotten to know Biden more from this debate. And you just contradicted yourself. You could go look up Biden stuff. So, right. and, so and same difference. No, but okay. Kelly, I'm saying that I I will. I haven't given up on my desire to know more about him and his policies. I'm just saying maybe it was unrealistic to expect have expected that in a debate. And obviously, you know, what do they call it after the touchdown happens? What do they call that? There's a football term. 
the Monday morning after. quarterback, you know, oh, looking yeah, back yeah. at it. Oh, I wish if only that had happened. What you should have done was. Yeah. 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 In other but words, there's something it's to up be said. to us as voters to know where they stand. Right. But sure. But there's something to be said about intellectual discourse and how can someone eloquently say how they feel about something. I know you're right. I mean, that point is well taken. I, I we and, do you know, I'm intellectual not, discourse, you know, and cause I just, am, I'm just upset at our country. And like, we're all saying, well, people like the fighting, they like the reality show. And what does that say about our general public of this country that we'd rather see two men fight and yell at each other than actually have an intellectual conversation about what's best for America. Yeah, there was a really interesting documentary that came out called The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Um, One of the great points it brings up is that we're sort of living in an age of alternative facts. Like the right has their facts because they we all live in an echo chamber on social media and with the media that we consume. And what that sort of comes down to is that we literally have two different versions of reality. And that to me is concerning about how we're ever going to have an intellectual debate if we don't have the same source facts. Um, in the movie, they sort of draw a comparison. This Wikipedia is like, you know, what the internet sort of thinks of as like common ground. Like we can all sort of refer to Wikipedia and whatever that says, that's, that's what it is. But with political facts, with facts, you know, that, that have to do with these big decisions, there are two, di- it's, it's almost like Wikipedia exists as an individualized thing for each person. So there's these individualized versions of the truth that we can't even agree upon what is real, what, is, what are the issues, what are the you know, potential outcomes of these issues. So I, I just wanted to say that I feel you, Kelly. I, I worry about uh, you know, our infatuation with the spectacle more than um, the reality of the situation. The other tragedy is that we expect them to give us an answer in 30 seconds about a issue that is thousands of pages complex like that's and like the intellectual debate is important and hopeful that it can still happen but like you're saying byron there's two truths to our populace or more than two and it's hard when one side says one thing the other side no matter what they say if they're towing their party line and they're towing their party line they're just going to think it's not intellectual they're going to think they're wrong and so I, what my curiosity was, does anybody know if more people watch this debate than normal? It's probably, if, if it was more, I feel like it's probably close, but that would be an interesting stat to look at. Yeah. Well, it's because people are, people are watching it just to cheer on their side at this point. I mean, people aren't watching it to learn about the candidate. In right. I mean, you know, it's about the, it's about the uh, people just want to cheer on their side and see their side win. I mean, I guess some undecided voters are watching it, but I mean, even most people who like kind of already know what they're voting for, who they're voting for are not, they like, they know they're not going to be swayed by the debate. So they don't bother. But I, I don't know what the ratings are. Does, any, does anyone happen to know? I can bring them up. Yeah. We could look them up real quick. Um, maybe we'll do that and I'll press on to the next question while we're pulling that up. Yeah. The next question I will pose to um i guess cynthia who quote won the debate and uh does that matter ultimately uh so there's sort of two distinct questions there but uh 
First being, uh, who do you think won the... Oh, hold on. I think we got the stats on the... This says the television audience for the debate was down from the first debate between Trump and Hillary back in 2016, but it was higher than almost every other debate in modern American history. Oh, wow. So that other Mm -hmm. one must have been like super big. I guess. Yeah. Wow. All right. right. So yeah. So mom, who won the debate? And uh, as an additional question, if you want to go there, does that matter? Who won? Thanks a lot for asking me the hardest question. I don't of course, know who, I know. <laughs> I don't know who won. I mean, that depends on your perspective, who you're already leaning towards. It was clearly not, uh, it, it wasn't a slam dunk. No. You know, yeah. I mean, um, I, I, would ha- I, I would have to say, Trump won uh, by the sheer force of his personality. And even though he kind of derailed the debate itself, I do think he was uh, consistent and he wasn't trying to backtrack like Biden saying, Oh no, that's not, you know, my plan. I want, I have my own, the green deal plan. That's not mine. I have something else. And uh, you know, kind of avoiding the law and order question and things like that. And Trump was just clearly sticking to his own, platform, his own ideas, right or wrong. Uh, Does that matter? No, I don't think it matters. Because I think with the coronavirus uh, news about the president and the first lady just a mere, what, 48 hours later? Or or no, maybe 72 hours later, three days later. uh, Now that's a whole, it adds another color to this painting that's being painted of these human beings and what they're dealing with. And how that may affect things. I mean, we've seen how it affected the stock market and it just creates more uncertainty, you know? So um, maybe there's something comforting about having already decided and being comfortable with your predetermined candidate and not being swung too far one way or the other. I think you asked me the hardest question, Jimmy. Sorry. (laughs) Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think I, we should uh, all go around and say, yeah, no, I would love to, I would love to, yeah, uh, open that up to everyone. I, but someone had to go first. So thank you. For yay, yay me. <laughs> all right. So it, clockwise for me is Daniel and uh, my zoom screen. So Daniel. So I've watched debates before and I felt this way about debates before, but like, I, I never know who wins any debate. Like I, I never know what to base that on. And I kind of like disagree with the assessment because I, you know, I go in, it's like, I view myself, you know, that I believe that, you know, I go anytime I see a Democrat versus Republican, like I want to see Democrat ideas more validated, but like going in with that, I know it's impossible for me to objectively say like who did better. And you would have to go with someone who is, who is like less divided. So I don't know. I don't, I don't really look at it from the point of view of like who won or not, but I do. It's, it's pretty clear that people are just going to support whoever they already were leaning to. Like, did anything happen that's, that's going to convince someone who wasn't already in their camp? That's usually the metric I go by. And I don't, I don't think there was, you know, Trump was doubling down on his base. Biden was still trying to, be more broad and reach out maybe to a fault but um uh so i so i don't know okay yeah totally fair 
<laughs> I don't know works for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, let's go with Jacob. He's next in my order. Uh, yeah, wow. Um, Objectivity is hard to find here. But um, like if we use the rubric of them being animals, uh, <laughs> Trump would have walked out alive and Biden wouldn't have. But um, it, as a debate, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think anybody really changed that much. If they did, it's a very small percentage. And Trump was more entertaining. And that's, I guess, what we have to judge it by because it's like a version of just entertainment now. Hmm. Okay. Sadly. Next comes me in the order uh, that I'm looking at. So I'll say... Yeah, I also don't know. I don't have like an immediate answer. Um, at first, I was like worried because, yeah, like Daniel said, I'm never truly drinking the Kool Aid on any one candidate, usually, but I generally want to see democratic ideas prevail in the course of the debate. And immediately when it started, I was so worried about Joe Biden, like, crumbling under the pressure, sort of stuttering and Trump like just dominating him with his crazy attack like presence. But um, as it went on, I started to feel like Joe is doing such a good job of making Trump seem like an asshole and just an, an interrupting buffoon. And so Trump succeeded on one hand because he did like stop my, my mom, for instance, learning who Joe Biden was. And he stopped Joe Biden from being able to have that platform to share who he is, what his ideas really are, and how it's better than Trump's. So I give Trump props for that. But I give like Biden a lot of props for not, I don't know, just for dealing with it well, for addressing the camera at the right times and talking directly to the people when Trump just wanted to attack him. So I, I think ultimately... What I'm trying to say, I saw like, uh, you know, sort of good things. I don't know if it's good, but whatever, like good tactical things on both sides. But I think Biden barely comes away with the edge for me. Or maybe you can look at it this way. Maybe Trump's attacks backfire. Maybe Trump lost instead of, instead of Biden winning. But it's by a small margin. It was pretty even. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to my subjective point of view, that like constant interruption just was such a bad look eventually because of the way Joe Biden handled it. Uh, I think, I think Joe Biden would have look, looked worse without that, honestly, without Trump being such an a-hole. And if they were just both taking their turns and talking, I think Biden would have maybe ended up looking a little more confused, lost and ha- opened himself up to more gaffes and mistakes. So I'm going to give it to Biden by a hair. Um, my immediate response to who won is nobody. I think they both won. They both won the undecided, quote unquote, undecided voter, undecided voters who are already leaning on their side, like I said. And I think they, they lost all the voters who didn't really want to vote for them anyways. So I think they both lost really. Um, I do agree that I think that Biden did a better job 
trying to have a real debate, whereas Trump was just trying to, you know, intimidate him and argue everything through. So if, if I'm looking, you know, the teacher in me is like, did you follow the rules and the rubric and what were you actually saying, you know, to prove your point, I guess, again, like you're saying, maybe Biden by a hair, but I think the real answer is that they both lost. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good take. Um, I think, you know, I think there's almost like three different things that happened that night. There was a UFC cage fight in which, in my opinion, Trump won. There was, you know, a sort of, um, actually maybe there was just two. There was, the, there was the cage match, which Trump won. And then there was some degree of policy being discussed, in which case I thought Biden did a hair better in actually laying out like the things that would be implemented to achieve whatever he was trying to achieve. But, um, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, I think Kelly is right. I think they both lost. Uh, it, I know uh, Cynthia didn't like the description of shit show, but I do. I think that was an absolute shit show. Uh, I don't think that either of them outshone the other. I just, uh, you know, someone also mentioned how Joe is sort of, I think he's still trying to figure out exactly what his platform is because he does have a very far left and he has a very, you know, a more classical left. And then he has a centrist base that he's trying to bring together under so many different umbrellas. And I, I, I don't think he was very effective at that at all. Um, you know, for Trump, I mean, all of the hyperbole, we're the best, we're doing really good things, you're never going to believe how well we, all, you know, the, the, the four years we've had of that, uh, it's been the same thing from him. So if there's a slight edge in terms of policy, I'd give it to Biden. If there's a slight edge in terms of, you know, uh, just, you know, a full, full on assault, I'd give that to Trump. But it really what it comes down to, I think Kelly's right. I don't think anybody won. Guys, I just saw a headline come by that Kellyanne Conway has tested positive for COVID. <laughs> wow. You heard wow. it here first, folks. A week later. No, no two days later. Two days later. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Absolutely crazy. I mean, you would assume, right, that it would spread like that. Yeah, I mean... What it's going go, through the staff. It's going through the staff. It's his staff. They all have but what the list like the list of all the people that were in contact with Hope Hicks and, and there's like 30 names and it's all like all of Trump's family. It's all of the senior white house staff there. I mean like, so all of those people must be freaking out. And also, you know, Biden and Chris Wallace have to get tested now too, right? We don't Joe Biden's negative. He, his test. Oh, came okay. In. Okay. That came in. I had only heard of Harris, so... Yeah, I only heard that Harris was... But again, I listened to the news this morning, and then I went to work, and now I'm here, and this is my new yeah, source now. Yeah, we've been a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, our world changes so fast, you know? Things yeah. happen so This quickly. especially is a big, a big one today, though, yeah. Mm-hmm. Next portion is Soapbox, which, you know, we sort of just did sharing our general takeaways, but I'd like Soapbox to go beyond... The debate, just anything, since we're in a political realm right now, just like a minute to 30 seconds from each person. If you have not much to say, totally fine. But just like something you've been thinking about, something that you want a forum to share on, or something that occurred to you in the course of this conversation. 
Soapbox, what I really think, obviously, I don't like Trump. I don't want him to be my president anymore. He makes me embarrassed to be an American. I think he's dangerous to America and our democracy. I'm not stoked about Joe Biden, but I think he'll start to lead our country in the right direction. Obviously, with a Republican-led Senate, not that much maybe still will get done. Um, But Biden is at least on the side of most of my beliefs as far as, you know, women's rights and, you know, racial justice and climate change and, you know, all that stuff. And I, I had a phone call with Byron last week and I, we talked about this a little bit, but I remember, I remember telling you, Byron, like, I'm just so upset that there is a mean person running our country. When did it okay to just lose all morals and be mean to people all the time and only care about yourself? That is the number one thing from like elementary school and the golden rule that I feel like I've tried to keep close to my heart my whole life is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Trump has just eliminated that golden rule and causing people to just let their evilest sides out in our country. And um, I think some really bad things are going to happen in our near future, probably regardless of who wins this election. But I think it most definitely is going to happen if Trump stays in the White House. I want to jump in because you helped me remember my soapbox rant, which is uh, just, yeah, I am so pessimistic about what might happen no matter what the results are of the election. If Biden wins, Trump does whatever he's going to do, Uh, you know, questioning the legitimacy, uh, refusing to leave office, who knows, but he is setting the stage for that to be very ugly, basically promising us all that if he loses, he's going to cause like a massive shitstorm. So that's not something I'm saying. That's something coming from him. Um, And his spokespeople even say, if he wins, he will gladly accept it or some, some totally glib, stupid response, which anyway, um, if, if Trump actually wins, the left is going to freak out and become more hopeless than ever. With Ginsburg dying, the hopelessness is already at like a pretty all-time high. Um, so much so that this uh, news of him and his staff members getting COVID has felt like a relief, <laughs> as like twisted as that is. There's just been so much bad news for liberals that like they're grasping for any sense of positive news or 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 at least the news that helps them in any way. Uh, the de- Democrats in Congress have been the idea that it's- he could become president is suddenly like a sigh of relief. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, and I, there may even be some, you know, center-oriented uh, people that would prefer Pence to Biden, you know, people that would otherwise vote for Biden over Trump, but if it became Biden-Pence, might veer towards Pence. So um, anyway, uh, I, I guess in my soapbox rant, I, I was sort of planning on saying this. This was before I knew Trump got diagnosed. And so for that third possibility that it becomes Pence, I I haven't thought that one out, but of the two, you know, prior possibilities, Trump winning, Biden winning, I see both being somewhat catastrophic. And uh, it's just a damn shame that Trump has set the stage for that. Uh, I'm not saying the Democrats don't have some part in that whole fiasco. It it will be a vast fiasco, but, um, Boy, he has really leaned into trying to make this as chaotic as possible. 
And it's just the biggest shame of it all. Like I have nothing to look forward to whether quote unquote, my candidate wins or not. Anyway, there it goes. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So not a big fan of either candidate. Um, do I think that Trump has more force behind him to create bad? Yes. So therefore I guess Biden's the lesser of two evils. I think that Biden is of the two candidates is the only one that we have a chance at actually addressing racial injustice and inequality in this country. I don't think he's going to save us in terms of the economic disaster we're in, but I don't think Trump will either. Uh, so I guess my hope is that I'll vote for Biden because maybe we'll deal with what people are rioting and protesting everywhere in this country about social, some sort of social hope there. Um, but my true soapbox is I am such a, not, I'm so against a two party system and this is the evil that can come from it. The idea that we have to put our ideas into one box or the other, it erodes intellectual debate. And I think that we really need to start looking into the idea that we all ha are so different why would we try to force ourselves into boxes just to get a so-so or horrible, but less horrible than the other candidate? I think that that's a, an American shift that really needs to happen in order for us to have somebody who can progressively lead us. And yet, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. And I don't want the third party or multiple party movement to happen right now because I think it's too dangerous. Um, but after Trump's gone, and hopefully no successor of evil comes in, um, I think we really need to start shifting to that focus, to actually empirically dealing with our issues as voters and everybody voting and researching and spending time and not just reading the quick points on Facebook or Instagram. And I'll get off my soapbox now. It's hard sometimes. I know. I, it, it, it's hard to give up power. Daniel, you're next. Lot, lot to say, lot to say. I could, I could build on a lot of points of what, what Jacob is saying about the two-party system, but um, I'm not going to do that. Um, my soapbox is breaking away from the candidates in the debate a little bit. My, my, my takeaway is that uh, we have over 200,000 dead of a pandemic, and people are distracted from it and not maintaining that. Um, now, like just in, in California, where we are, uh, over like one in 45 Californians has now tested positive. Um, so, you know, we're all in this and yet we're distracted from it. We have a surplus of grief in this country now with an extra 200,000 dead. Um, and not to mention this, the, the struggles and the burden on various things for people who are sick, but still getting better. And, and we're, we, have, we have abstractified and politicized the fact that we have all this extra death and extra grief. And I think people need to take a minute to, to think about that on a level that isn't about candidates for a second. And also just wear a mask and take the pandemic seriously. And that's my soapbox. Thank you, Jimmy. Very nice. Great points. Mom, you're up next. Cynthia. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people forget some of the accomplishments that our president has achieved, um, including um, 
you know, working with the United Arab Emirates to get rid of the boycott of Israeli law and um, definitely with trade agreements. He has done a lot in this COVID response. I mean, so many directed millions, if not billions of dollars. The Operation Warp Speed and the fact that we could even talk about a vaccine before the end of this year is just stunning. And the scientific community will honor and recognize that. It's absolutely stunning. Um, he, he has had great success with job growth. And he's been very good with veterans and the Veterans Administration and supporting them. Uh, he's given money to communities to f- combat the opioid crisis. You know, the COVID response is some very specific things. He, you know, used a defense act or got manufacturers to produce gowns and ventilators and all kinds of things like that. His, his health care program is complicated, but he wants to, we know he wants to protect people with pre-existing conditions and it's a different tact than Biden, but he wants to reduce prescription drug costs because he's working with the companies. So the difference, here you go, between Republicans and Democrats, is the government going to solve all the problems or is there a way for private enterprise and the market and individual entrepreneurs and creative people to try to solve the problems? As we know, the truth is in the middle, right? It has to be in the middle. But that doesn't mean that his philosophy and the actions that he's done, I think, is a very hardworking president. I don't, I, I don't see a sloth over there. I don't see somebody just, meh, forget about it, you know? Uh, I think he has stood up for individual liberties. I think he stood up for religious freedoms. I happen to be somebody that agrees with him that our government and taxes should not support abortions on demand. Um, very controversial, I know. I know I'm not in the majority, at least in this group, on this forum. But um, I, would, I find that an egregious idea you know, that I'm responsible for uh, the killing of life. It's, it's, it's just an immoral act. Aside from the fact whether the woman should have a choice and have a safe choice, it's a function of taxpayer monies being directed towards that. That's my issue, guys. Um, you know, I don't know. He's, he's working hard on homeland security and infrastructure and cybersecurity and all these things. It's just, it's just almost a blur. And right now, it's... It, I feel like I'm, you know, talking to people with hands over their ears going, I'm not listening, you know, (laughs) because, because people are so turned off by his personality. I do not consider Trump an abject racist. I think he's done a lot and he has just done a whole bunch of funding to um, um, universities that black universities. And I think he's done, a lot in terms of economic growth for people of color across the country. So things changed a lot with COVID. I do not blame him for the deaths. I do not. The virus in and of itself is an evil, frightening, highly contagious pandemic that we are all fighting. He was a terrible leader in regards to using masks and supporting the science and dancing around and saying, oh, this is good. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this, and it's going to be done by the summer and all this. Terrible. But I don't see the difference, though. I do not blame him personally for the virus or the 200,000 deaths. I, don't, I think it was unavoidable by the time the um, virus got so out of control. 
So I'm done with my soapbox. I, um, I don't feel well-spoken or highly prepared, you know, to take on a defense of Donald Trump, but uh, I, 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 I will probably continue to vote for him as opposed to Joe Biden because I'm a fundamental conservative Republican that believes in the basic tenets of the conservative um, philosophy. Awesome. Well, yeah, I want to give you a token of credit for coming here and, you know, standing up for your beliefs, knowing that there is a significant percentage of us who are on the other side. So kudos so I have to, to you. Ha- I have to hang on to the fact that I'm your mama. You guys have to love me anyway. No, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, guess- I'm going to, I'm going to be the one you tell your kids about. Oh yeah. That grandma, she was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just tell them to listen to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> True. You got it. So many things in the world have changed. I won't even know what we're talking about. Right. That'll be a fun time capsule piece. Byron, soapbox. Soapbox. Um, I uh, respectfully disagree with a lot, a lot of what my mom said. Um, and I'll I'm your it. mother. Yeah. I'll leave <laughs> Sorry. Soapbox. I, I, uh, I think that there's uh, two issues for me that are uh, imperative for the future of this country, one of which is how we're going to treat the members of our BIPOC communities going forward. I don't think we'll have much of a country unless we really have a true reckoning with what that means for uh, our structures, our representation in government, uh, in board of directors. There's, there's so much work to be done uh, with systemic racism. And I think that Joe Biden provides us a, a better chance at addressing those issues. And the other actually is uh, the environment. I don't think any of us are going to be able to do a, a silly little podcast or have anything close to a life that we'd like to if the earth burns while we're still alive. So those two issues for me, and I would you know impart those two issues on anyone who is voting for Trump, to really consider how he's going to be able to address those issues uh, in a meaningful way. Because I think without those two elements, uh, we're done for no matter what we do. Awesome. Um, Well, guys, uh, I did have some extra questions if there was time. However, I think there is not. Uh, We can uh, carry on after the recording is over, but I think that will do it for our first Friday Freedom Forum. Thank you all for participating, you guys. Thank you, Jimmy. Great to talk Thank to you. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah well, thanks, you know, guys. There's a lot of ways to approach this, so I went with Jimmy the hosting one. for his first time here. Yeah, yeah. popping uh, that little. Well, never mind. <laughs> 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 Doing it for the first time. That's right. <laughs> well, um, although this was kind of like I don't want to say a downer, but not super uplifting episode no worries next week we will return back to our pixar rewatch and we will all talk about finding nemo yay yeah all right (laughs) (laughs) so um until next time Friday Forum Podcast is a JK Entertainment production. All thoughts and opinions by the participants are theirs and theirs alone. Original theme music by Jimmy Anthony. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Friday Forum Podcast 
for updates about future episodes. And please email us at fridayforumpodcast at gmail.com to contact us and let us know what you think. I'm your host, Kelly Anthony. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.